Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to different creative people about how they do their thing and how they keep it going. And today my guest is financial mentor and actor Miata Idoga. And I met her through this class that I took at the Actors Fund that she taught called Managing Cash Flow for Artists. I'm sure I've talked about it on the podcast before because I talk about it all the time. And, like, my friends were making fun of me because every time we'd go to dinner or something, I'm like, guess what I learned in the money class today? Like, I would not shut up about it. Miata is basically my Justin Bieber. I'm, like, such a fan, and uh, I was so excited to talk to her about her journey and about uh, how she got into this kind of work and also her acting career, and it's awesome. But before we get to that, I want to encourage you to check out DennisAnyone.net. There you can see all the podcasts archived. You can also see some photos that go with different podcasts. Occasionally, I'll take a picture of something we talk about. Uh, You could also donate to my virtual tip jar through PayPal. It helps me pay for the different expenses that come up, and I always really appreciate that. You can also email me through that and um, let me know if there's anyone you think should be on the podcast or if you have any questions you want to add to the observation deck. I'm always looking for that. Um, And that's about it. So uh, thanks for listening and enjoy Miata Idoga. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the Actors Fund offices. I'm in the office of today's guest, Miata Idoga. She's a financial mentor and she's changed my life. And you're a total rock star to me. I'm, like, nervous and excited. So, welcome to the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. That's that's crazy. I know. Well, so, you teach a class here at the Actors Fund called Managing Cash Flow for Artists. Yes. It's free for anyone in the entertainment industry. It was six weeks, and it really, from top to bottom, changed the way I organize my life and I think about money. And I want to talk to you about how you sort of got into the whole field of money, because I remember you telling us that at one point you had 11 jobs at one time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, in addition to being a financial mentor, I am also an actor and, um, it's, it's a strange journey. I think that brought me to do this work because if you'd asked me 25 years ago, would you be doing this? Never. Like I wasn't good at math. I, I would never, ever have thought it, but you know, the upshot of my story is just that no one ever taught me about right. money, which I think is true. It's true for so many people. Of a lot of us, right? And so when I um, started pursuing my career as an actor, it's hard. It's a challenging career. I mean, there's no right. surprises there. But also, I made a lot of mistakes because I just didn't know how to negotiate all the ups and downs and trying to find work that would still be flexible. And I just ended up literally thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. And as you said, at one point I had 11 part-time jobs and I, like, what were they like? Oh my gosh. I worked at Starbucks. I babysat. I answered phones. I tutored for the SATs. I walked dogs. I catered. I bartended. I waitressed, did I say that? Um, uh, oh, I worked part-time for my acting teacher right. to get a discount on classes, right? You, Everybody were, wor- does. you were doing every angle. So I was working all of these jobs, and I was still totally broke. And, you know, the upshot was that I pretty much hit rock bottom. I had to either figure out the money stuff, or I basically had to, like, quit and move and live with my mom and dad. And 
I decided to figure out the money stuff. And, and what did you what did you do? What was the first step you took? Well, so the first step I took, like literally after I stopped crying, because I really, <laughs> I really <laughs> had. Like, was there a moment you're driving somewhere and you just this was like the um, TV movie? You, you know, it's a story that I've shared a lot, and and I won't just sort of go into all of the gory details, but basically, Dennis, I was. Um, I was in a play, and I actually nearly missed the curtain for the play because I got stuck. And I get anxiety just hearing that, because I think if you're a performer, it's like curtain and like half hour, and like it's so, you know, you got to be there. You got to be there. And I'm not kidding. I nearly missed a curtain with an audience, no joke, And, and that was years and years ago, but still... You can see me. Right. Your right. body language. That, that was a terrifying moment. Right. And it just made it so clear to me that my life wasn't in my control at all. And so, you know, as I said, that, that led to a lot of tears. But then I basically felt like either you're going to figure out the money stuff or you're going to quit. Right. And quitting literally felt like how, how could how could that be right. the end result of this and so the only choice was figuring out the money so for me what that meant was that i started learning as much as i could and reading as much as i could and taking as many of those free classes and um what ended up happening was that i got connected to some great teachers and who really changed my life who taught me a lot. I started making big changes in my own life and paying down my own debt. And what ended up happening was that one of those teachers asked if I wanted to train to coach for her company um, because she wanted coaches who could actually demonstrate having gone from where they went and and the changes that they made. And who have been there and been through it. Who have actually been through it, right? Because I think we read a lot of these books or we go to sometimes these classes and it just feels like these people don't really understand where you're coming from. And so I've always, it, what it, what it did for me was, so then that became my, my part-time job. Right? right. But then, um, after doing that for a few years, I decided to start my own company because I wanted to deliver this education specifically to actors, artists, and creative professionals because that's who I was. And as I learned and started to change my life and started to get out of debt, I really thought, what if someone had taught me this, right? So Obviously, we're all going to make mistakes, but I feel like if I'd been a little better equipped, right. <laughs> like I might not have made all the ones that right. I did. And so that was what led me to start my own company. And my commitment was to always teaching this from a place of this is a journey, not only that I have actually been on, but that I continue to be on. I mean, we will all always be on the financial journey. I just hope that I can make it a little clearer and a little less painful and hopefully even fun 
for other artists like myself. Well, the, the great thing about it is you come up, come from it, come at it from a place of knowing what it means to be an artist. And, you know, like I love the Actors Fund because it's not one of those places where you walk in and you feel like, oh, I should have gone to law school. Like you, right. they get where you're coming from. Um, and you talk a lot about the myth of like the suffering artist. Like yeah. if we're not suffering, we must not be a good artist or we're never going to make it if we're not broke or like talk a little bit about those myths that, that sort of get glamorized. Yeah. And, and I'm, I think that, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons, right, that that has been something that has um, just sort of taken hold right. in our culture. But I guess fundamentally what I believe is that by being powerful financially, it actually makes you a stronger and more powerful artist, Right? right? Because what I know is that when I was over $60,000 in debt and holding 11 part-time jobs, as I said, I nearly missed a curtain. Right. I was not being a powerful artist, right? I was running from job to job and just stressing out every time the bills came home. So I just think we really have to examine why we why we believe that we're somehow betraying our art by focusing on our finances versus the shift I'd love for everybody to make is that I'm actually honoring my art. I'm strengthening my art by focusing on my finances. It doesn't mean you're a sellout. It doesn't like all of those things are just, I feel like things people have said without yeah. really examining. A lot of people that make it in the business go to talk to young people and they say, if you could do anything else, do it. And you poked a hole in that baloney because it's kind of like, just because you're good at something else and can make a little money from it and, and, and have a more stable life doesn't mean you're not a talented actor. doesn't mean you're less talented. Right. And if you could do anything else, do it. Like, I I didn't make this up. I heard someone say it. They said, if you can't do anything else, what kind of human being are you? Right. It right? leads to a, I remember you said in class, it leads to a more narrow life. It does. And this idea that I can only do one thing, I feel like that's a box that particularly actors get put in that, like, no one else does. How come nobody questions it? The famous director who also owns a restaurant or who has a clothing line or the producer who we know invests in real estate. Why is it that I think actors so specifically right. are told, if you can do anything else, you should do that. Right. And I also just really feel, like, not to be on a rant, but I really I love a rant. Feel, we love a rant yeah. on this podcast. I really feel like the press loves to glamorize. The struggling, the, the rags struggling to riches. struggling rags to riches story, right? The girl so, from This Is Us. Right, from This Is Us, where I... I I think she's an unbelievable actor, and I'm sure that her story has many, many nuances to it. But what was the headline that ran over and over and over again? It was, this is our star, had 27 cents in her bank account when she booked the role. Right. And it's like, 
what ex- what is the message that we're sending? If you're gonna, if you want to book a role, you better be you, right suffering. And that's the thing is, I feel like I'm not gonna say this right, but I feel like we keep deciding that there's an actual correlation that it's right. because I was willing to get down to 27 cents right. in my bank account and eat ramen noodles and live on French couches. It's because I was willing to do that that I became successful. That I caught that break. Exactly. Versus it just so happened that that was how her life was going when she caught that break. Right. And there are countless other stories of people who actually built lives of stability and um, grew to their success. You talked right? about Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, yes. Ron Howard's daughter, but she's an actress, but she gave a, um, a graduation speech about how she'd always had other jobs. Absolutely. She gave a graduation speech. I think it was at Tisch School of the Arts. She gave their commencement speech, a commencement address, and she spoke very specifically about the myth that day jobs are bad. And she really said that long after she started working, she kept the same. It was like two or three part-time jobs. And the other thing that I loved about what she said in that speech is that she talked about, you know, she's from a family of performers. And she talked about how her parents and her grandparents, they knew that it was honorable to work and that they always worked to support themselves as artists. And again, I just feel so strongly that we are disempowering people when we basically say you're not allowed to do that it, instead of really allowing people to be as strong as they possibly yeah. can. One of the biggest shifts that's occurred in me through your class and this work is um, I'm in a bit of a shaky one, a gig here, a gig there, mm-hmm. and sometimes a great gig, and then it goes away. Like there's a lot of insecurity, and I think I, had, I think that I thought if I looked hard at my finances, it would make it worse. I was like, I don't want to open that envelope. Right. I don't want. And what I've discovered is looking at it and 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 knowing it and and knowing all of it and having it in front of me has actually lessened my anxiety. But I still, I'm still not working as much as I'd like to be. I'm still not making as much as I'd like to be. But I feel more empowered. I don't. I'm not as freaked out about it. I get. I find myself getting excited about things that I learn. Yes. That's the thing. You think that knowing is going to freak you out, and knowing actually helps. Yes. And here's the thing, because I thought the absolute same thing, right? But what I discovered, especially when I was able to look back at it, which is, I think, what you're saying, is I really discovered that. That fear and an upset and the nerves and the kind of sick feeling, that was there all the time, right? right? So it wasn't like by not looking at it, I wasn't feeling scared and sick, right? I just somehow felt that if I looked at it, then it was really just going to hit me full on. It was going to be like a bust. Right. But instead, what happened was just what you were saying. By looking at it, it literally was like I could breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, there it is. Like, there's the truth. Right. And once I see the truth... Then I can face it. I can start to see what options exist. I can, as you put it, 
approach my life from more of a powerful place. Yeah. I can't do anything about it when I'm hiding yeah. from it, right? Just the, I need to make more money, is what had me doing 11 part-time jobs. Right. I needed to know how much money did I need? How in the hole was I? How much debt did I have? Then I could figure out the most powerful way to earn that money while still building my career. Do you remember a moment when you were coming out of that hole where you felt uh, that moment of like, oh, I've turned a corner? Or do you, do, you, do you remember something that you did or an experience that you had that made you think like, wow, I'm in a different place now? You know, I'm, I'm cautious, I think, about that because what I feel when I look over those years, right? And as I said, the journey continues, right? Is I feel that I always felt I was at least inching forward. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Even in the, in the, in the darkest times. Yeah. Even in the darkest times. And so there were, there were things because it's not like, Oh, now I'm going to change things. Right. And then nothing bad happens. Right. Right. But, it was that I knew that my debt, for instance, was creeping downwards. And then something would happen. The car would break down, right? And I can remember when the car would break down and I would always have to find a credit card that had room on it. Right. Then I remember when I would go pay for the car and I would say, okay, and I'd hand him my ATM card and I'd say, you can put this much on the ATM card because right. that's how much I knew I could to get out of my account and then charge the rest. Right. And I remember that as being a moment of, look at me. I'm making progress. I didn't put the whole right. thing on the credit card, right? And there were a lot of times where then it would be like 50-50. Yeah. And then it would be like, ooh, 70% right. came out of my account. So it was those things. But what I say to people is you only see those moments of light if you figure out where you're starting, yeah. right? So um, I, I've shared with you that at my worst moment, but when I first started to like figure this out, I realized that I was operating at a negative of $1,153 a month, right? right? That was my average monthly negative, which made sense because I was like $68,000 in debt. So that was a little more than five years of operating at a $12,000 right. a year negative, right? But so here's the thing. It was a moment of celebration when I hit negative $500, right. right? But I would never have been able to celebrate negative $500 right. if I didn't know that I started at negative 1100 right. And so that's, I guess, what I would long answer to your short yeah, question. No, there were these moments of just, I'm moving forward. Yeah. I am moving forward. And I had to keep reminding myself that. It's so good. You talk a lot about responsibility because I think... Whenever I would have, like, rough goes, I would remind myself, you know, I picked this. Yeah. I, this is what I wanted to do. And you have a sentence that you shared with us. Yeah. That's sort of like your manifesto or something something that means a lot to you that sort of lays it out. Yeah. So it's a couple of things. The first was really that phrase, which I repeat to myself over and over again when I'm frustrated, which just is, I am responsible. I am responsible. I right. am responsible. Right? Because... 
Um, because I have, and I think all of us have an inclination to immediately start blaming, right? So my boss won't give me a raise, or how am I supposed to make money with this job and this right. pay, or my agent's not getting me any auditions, or right? And all of those things that we go to. And so I try to remember to bring myself back to I'm responsible so that then I can figure out what it is that I can do. Yeah, right? you're not a victim. I'm not a victim. But I think what you're referring to is, and and I would have to look because I have it written down, but I, I have, have the first five phrase words. phrase that basically is, I have chosen, right? I am choosing to pursue. I am choosing to pursue a creative career, which means that I have the responsibility to create not just the time to pursue my art, but also the financial, I think, strength that allows me to do so, right? Yep. Or the, awesome. the financial um, stability that allows me to do so from a place of strength. So I'm choosing to pursue a creative career, which means that I have the responsibility not to create just the time to pursue my art, but also to create the financial stability that allows me to do so from a place of strength. And that, again, comes back to no one told me I had to be an actor, right? right? This is what I want no one promised me that just because I work hard and just because I have trained that at some magical point, I will make my full time living doing this thing that I love. No one promised me that. Right. But I do love this thing and I do want to do it and I choose to do it. So the only question for me is as long as that is my choice, and I assume it'll be my choice for my lifetime, then what am I going to do to ensure that I continue to be able to follow that dream, right? And the life that I used to be living financially was not allowing that because ultimately, and I was pretty much there, the debt becomes unsustainable, the... the sleeping on people's couches and the borrowing money from mom and dad and the ultimately ultimately that is not sustainable which is why we have such a massive turnover in this business so what my responsibility is is to figure out how i get to keep pursuing my dream right and that's why i do this work because i hope that i help other people also figure out how they are going to pursue their How they're going to stay in it if how that's what they really want. How they're going to stay in it if that's what they want. Right? How has, the, 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 over the years, and you've, got, you've grown this um, financial mentoring business, how has that affected your ideas about your acting career? Do you love it just as much? Do you love it more? Do you find, oh, this is fulfilling in a way that, that's similar but not? But how, does, yeah. how do they interact? So I think for me, um, it... It has certainly made me pursue my career as an actor in a different way than I was. And I might have come to this anyway, like maybe it's growing up, right? But I, I used to really pursue my career, I'm going to say, 
basically from the viewpoint of trying to get found. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, I was like, someone's going to discover me yeah. at the grocery store. I was working really hard, but it was really about who is going to give me my opportunities, right? Right. And it was, if I get enough co-stars, then ultimately those will become guest stars, and ultimately those guest stars will become a series regular, and then I'll be a series regular forever, right? Right. I mean, I think I believed that my career might be slow, but that it would follow an up, uh, going up trajectory, trajectory, right? And so the difference is that I am far more... I believe that I have to create my career. And that doesn't mean that I'm not open to all of those opportunities I was seeking. But, like, that was why I wrote and produced my solo show. And I performed it here and I performed it in festivals. It's why I shoot as much footage as I can of me doing the kinds of roles that I hope to be cast in. And I absolutely keep networking and trying to create opportunities, sending out ships, right, right. as we were talking about. But but I'm not waiting for, for anybody to, yeah. to for the phone to ring. So I absolutely, you know, hope that my opportunities yeah. continue to improve, but I feel like that's the change. And it's no different. I still go through periods where I feel desperate to do something creative right. if it's been a while. But then again, I look and see, okay, what am I going to do? Right? Yeah. What creative project I guess I got to do it. Am I going I think that's what happens too. Is like I, from, through my career in writing and it's like you, you, maybe you have something that, that comes out and is considered successful and then you're like... I got to start. I just, you know what I mean? You think at some point you're on an escalator and it's just going to keep going. Exactly. And you always have to keep starting over. Exactly. And I, we did an exercise once um, where we really looked at the previous year in, in extreme detail. And we looked at, you know, what were we proud of and what were we disappointed by? And it was one of those times when I discovered just that. I had written my first screenplay. And, you know, those first... I wrote the first draft and then did some edits. And then the it, there were some people that had great responses to right. it, right? And so it was like, oh, maybe this is going to happen and this person. And then nothing, right? Crickets, right? Right. And what I realized looking back was how I allowed that to take the wind out of my sails. And so then it was just like, for a bunch of months, I just did nothing. It was right. like, oh, the script, nothing happened with the script. And so you you do realize that, okay, no, what's next? Right. And then what's next? That is what we chose, right? I think resilience is the name of the game. Resilience. I think it's like the biggest thing. If I were to go talk to young writers or young people trying to be... Uh, having careers in entertainment. Um, would tell them resilience. Do you, I feel like I, uh, there's a, a group that we're in after we take the class. It's like on Facebook and, right. and sort of we read books and stuff. And I found out that somebody I knew, Greg Evan Smith was in, uh, Ivan Smith was in the, was in the previous group and we got together at coffee and we were just like talking and like, do you feel the enthusiasm that, that, that your students, um, get from this work and from what you share with them and from you? Do yeah. you feel it? I do feel it. Good, you should. Thank you. And I feel that 
That's what I want to create because I think that this work requires community, right? Because it isn't just, ooh, woohoo, now I figured it all out, right? right? It's a constant journey. And so what you talk about, I love that. When you guys find each other and you get together or you decide to read books or you decide to have accountability groups, there's an energy we need to be able to be resilient, yeah. right? It's hard to be resilient on your own. And so that is really a mission of mine, not to build a following, to build a community of artists who are saying we are choosing to be financially resilient. We are choosing to be financially powerful. And some of that is skills, right? So some of that are the things we learn in the classes or we read in the books. But then some of it is about continuing the conversation. Yeah, and developing the habits. Like I do the good budget thing that you do. It's it's an app on your phone and you pick in your areas where you tend to spend too much and you kind of keep track. You keep track. And it becomes like a fun little game. Um, your one-person show, I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, thank What was you. it about? Um, well, so it was about three, gener- well, not three generations, three women, a mother and her two daughters. Right. Um, just had been raised in very different times, and it was just about that relationship. How cool. Right? I want to see so that. so I played all three characters, the mother and the two very different daughters. That's um, awesome. So, yeah, it was neat. And I hope... To, I hope to do it again, but I also used it as the basis for my, <clears throat> excuse me, for my screenplay. Right. And so for me, I'm trying to figure out what are the stories that I'm truly passionate about telling and what are the most powerful ways that I can tell them. And so, you know, my background has largely been theater, but I'm definitely intrigued by the power that film has. That, like, right now, if my story existed as a film, you'd be able to see it. Right, right? exactly. But because the play is over and you didn't catch it when it was the play, right. it's sort of like, oh, well, it's done. So that's all of what I'm looking right. at and playing with. Does having this other thing going on, the, the, the financial mentoring, does it affect you when you go into auditions? Like, I don't need this as much. Yes. I'm not a... I don't have that desperation. Do you notice anything like that? Absolutely. So I do feel now that when I go into auditions, I go into auditions far more powerfully than I was before because I feel more powerful. And I think it's just that I don't, I'm not desperate. I want it, right? I want it because of course we want it. Right. But Now, what I'm literally trying to do is I'm trying to keep growing as an actor and I'm trying to go in and be as good as I can be and learn. And and before, I just so desperately needed it. And I needed needed to be found found because I needed it to change my situation. And now I just sort of feel like, oh, this would be fun. This would be great if I booked this, you know. And that's different. It's yeah. a different energy. I noticed in our graduate group, we just came out of, um, way more women than men. Yeah. Do you think that's uh, reflective of anything uh, or just happens to be the situation in this particular uh, organization? Well, I haven't quite figured it out 
yet, and I don't know. You know, I have a theory about it, but I could be wrong. I I would love to know what your theory is. I definitely it has been consistently so. That I, is more women well, than it's men. it's that sort of running joke or cliche that men don't want to look at a map or don't want to ask for directions or right. I got this. like there's a machismo around I got this I'm right. the man you know right. I don't right. need help with my money I know you know what I mean like there may be some of those walls up I don't know that's just yeah. my theory no and I think I do feel and I don't want to generalize but I do feel that as a society it we've made it harder. For men to admit what feels like failure. Yes. Right? And so women, I do feel that we are more taught, you do what you have to do. And you just, you know, get it and, 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 and make it happen for your family. But men, we are taught, men are taught, you know, you, you got you to gotta provide. And so obviously I... Part of what I want to shift is that none of this is about failure, right? I did the best that I could with my money knowing what I knew and all that I didn't know. And so if we can stop looking at it as an admission of failure and instead literally come to classes like this from the space of how can I learn and do better? Then I feel like it would release us from feeling like we're going to be judged. Yeah. You know? And one of the things you said in the very first class was, we have to have a relationship with money. We don't have a choice. Right. Um, you said that, I remember this, there are three things that we have to have a relationship in this world. Yeah. With. Yeah. So I believe, and you know, other people may have other ideas, but I believe that, there are three relationships that we do not have a choice. Right. Um, the first one is a relationship with ourselves, right? So we cannot escape ourselves, right? And therefore, like, it's a relationship that I have to constantly be working on. Right. Okay? The second one is food. And that's an interesting one. Yeah, because you eat. You have to eat, right? So a lot of us have kind of tortured relationships with food, but we don't get to say, yeah, I'm just not going to deal with that food thing anymore, right? We have to figure it out. And the third one is you absolutely must have a relationship with money. You and it's either going to be a good one or a bad one. You it's, get to choose. Exactly. And so that's exactly it. Yeah. If you accept you have to have the relationship, it's either going to be good right. or bad. So to me, if we can look at it that way, then we assume the decision would be, okay, I want it to be a good relationship. So then we have to look at what would we expect or require of ourselves for any relationship that I said I'm committed to it being a good relationship. We would expect honesty. We would expect attention, care, respect, all of those things. Time, energy. And so those are all the things that we then have to be willing to put into our relationship with money. And you saw in class today, you know, someone brought up how the relate you're never done you are never done you right. don't get to say okay now, I made those decisions. now i fixed that relationship yeah. and i can put it over here and it's just going to be okay yeah. because what relationship in your life would you say that about and expect it to stay good yeah so it's a commitment 
And what I hope I do in the classes is I hope that we learn the actual practical things. So when I say the relationship requires honesty, what does that mean? That means knowing the numbers. Exactly. Knowing the rates. Knowing what that means. And I've been doing that work and it's been very empowering. It's very empowering. And therefore you're strengthening the relationship. And once we decide that a relationship is going to be good, does that mean it'll always be good? No. Right. But we don't throw in the towel. Right. We don't run away and hide from it. We take a breath, we get support and we dive back in. Well, and one of the other things you said that, that you could be in debt or have credit card debt and still be building wealth and still have investments at the same time. Absolutely. You don't have to wait to get out of debt to do that. I believe that so strongly. And so I was taught, I was over $68,000 in debt, right? So that was the, that was where my debt was. And I was taught both how to start paying it down, but also how to start building wealth. And so I had actually started investing long before I finished paying off that debt. And then when I finally finished I was so much more ready, that's not a good sentence, but I had the skills for where all of the money that had been going towards debt, where that should then go, right? right? So then I'm very honest that I started saving for retirement extremely late, right? But then I was able to take that money that had been going towards debt, and I was able to start being even more aggressive. Right, you knew where to go with it. Building. It wasn't I, like it exactly. suddenly happened. It wasn't like, oh, now I have no debt, and now what? I'm supposed to start figuring out yeah. what to do with that money? Well, what ends up happening is you end up spending it. Right. Right. One of the things that I took away, this fun tip that you shared, is that you have this idea that if you get some money, a windfall that you weren't expecting, right. what to do with it. And if you have a, a, a recipe for that, before it happens, it makes it easier when it does happen. It makes it easier. Like yeah. you, you recommended 25% goes to paying down debt. Yeah. 25% goes to building wealth. Yep. 25% goes to your planned savings account, which is like emergency money. Exactly. If your car breaks down or you have to get a crown on your tooth or whatever. Right. And the last 25%, you do something nice for yourself. You do something nice for yourself. Exactly. So for me, that gives me the guidelines, right? And it doesn't then mean I've got to do 25, 25, 25, and 25. But it does mean, in my opinion, that I have to pay attention to all four of those categories. So if I'm really more anxious about the debt, then I might decide, you know, to do 40% of it towards the debt and then a smaller percentage treat for myself. Right. But the treat for myself is really important because I think we have to start honoring the flow of money and really demonstrating actively that when money comes to us, we know what to do with it. Right. And we handle it well and wisely. Because that is then what I believe has right. more come to you. Because you prove that whether you have a $100 windfall or a $10,000 windfall or a $100,000 windfall, that you do good things with that. you that have money. an idea. You have an idea. You have a plan. One of the big light bulb moments for me in the course is you talk about... Once you figure out how much money you need to make a month, you talk about what percentage of that is from the business, the whims of the business. 
You know, how, what, and what percentage can you live with right. that uncertainty? And I realized that my uncertainty level the, is like 100%. Right. It's less now because I've got a roommate, so I know I've got that money coming in. But no wonder I was freaked out. Right. I had no, I had no percentage that was like, I can count on this right. this month. Right. And that, you know, just so like people are clear, what I mean by that is if I know I need $4,000 a month, right. that's what is going to cover all of my expenses. What percentage of that 4000 do I know for certain where it's coming from? Okay? Right. So if 0% of that 4000 yeah. I would argue that my stress levels are incredibly high. Yes. Right? 50%, maybe I feel a little bit more stable. And we all get to choose. What if percentage you're we can live with? like, I can yeah. live with not knowing 100%, okay. But it's your choice. Right. And what I had to recognize was, oh, I wasn't comfortable at all with the balance. So I had to create more stability in terms of, I know where this amount is coming from. And that's part of what my process is now, is getting that percentage down. It doesn't need to be 100. Right. But no wonder I was freaking out all the time. And it doesn't mean, because I think this is where, again, we're not kind to ourselves, does that mean, again, if I need 4000 yes, I am trying to earn that whole 4000 from acting, maybe, right? Right. But, but that doesn't mean I need all 4000 to come from it, right. right? So please don't think that by acknowledging that you're creating stability in your life, that it means that, oh, you've now given up on the goal. You're now not expecting anything to come from the yeah. career you're pursuing. Because I just think that's not true. Yeah. Now, you're a mom as well, right? Yes, I am. How many kids? Two. And do you talk, how do you talk to them about money? Because yeah. it's kind of like you were talking about, none of us are really taught how to manage it or what things are. Right. So, obviously, I'm far from perfect, sure. right? But I am trying, I've, I've really been committed since I had children, to just trying to educate them. And yeah. so, particularly with my older daughter, who is now 15, you know, she has her own account, she has her own ATM card, she has to balance that, she has to know what's coming out and what's going in. Um, she hasn't started invest. I mean, we invest for her, but she is starting to understand how she's invested. And so that at some point she will really start to take that over. So what I have to be careful of is, um, you know, I'll tell you, my mother was a a family law attorney, right? right? And so lots of divorces, lots of, and so she would come home all the time and she would like really in angry voices, tell me and my sister about how we better not ever depend right. on a man. And, you know, right. and she would like really, and what I have to be careful of is that I don't sort of put the fear of God into my children right. around money. And sometimes I'm, I'm constantly monitoring that because I do feel with my daughter, I'm concerned sometimes that she's afraid to spend right. versus feeling that she has choices and can make those choices. So that's what I'm working on. But my biggest goal with my children is that they understand it. That they ideally not be afraid of it and that we always be an open dialogue about both our finances and also just the topic of money. Yeah. And just, it's the little things too. Like before I took your class, I wasn't sure 
what the difference was if I used a credit card as an ATM or a debit. Right. And it turns out, for me, it doesn't make any difference. Exactly. But it does to the bank. Right. And it does usually to the To the seller, vendor. Right. Yeah. So they may be charged a fee if you use it as a credit card versus if you use it as an ATM. But for you, the money is still just coming, coming out, out of, the of same your place. account. Yeah, exactly. and I was like, oh, okay. Exactly. That feels good to know after right. how many years on earth. Right. Um, also, you talk about credit scores as being sort of a game. Like, they're important, yeah. but sometimes people overinflate them or they don't realize that they can change. You can, you can make, you know... If you're in a bad place, you can do some stuff and it'll be in a good place soon. Talk yeah, about credit, absolutely. credit scores. So, you know, my thing with credit scores is that the truth is about credit scores is that credit scores don't actually say anything about how well you are managing your money. Because a credit score doesn't have anything to do with how much you're earning. A credit score doesn't have anything to do with how much you're saving. Mm-hmm. A credit score doesn't have anything to do with whether you are paying your bills on time. I mean, other than your sort of credit card bills, right? So that's the first mistake. When I was $68,000 in debt, mm-hmm. my credit score was like 780. Right. Which is good, right? Which is amazing. Right, because you had a lot of credit cards and you paid them. I had a lot of credit cards, and I was, up until that, I was still paying at right. least the minimums. My credit score would have started soon right. to go down, right? Because I was really decreasing the amount of credit I had available, right? right? So that would have caught up with me very, very quickly. But... It's just understanding that credit scores have basically, it's a societal sort of game that is required of us. Right. Um, So what worries me now is that I'm seeing a lot of young people who are basically refusing to get credit cards because, oh, I'm afraid to get in a credit card problem. Right. But then they don't have credit, which means that when they go to rent an apartment, let alone one day buy a house or get a car, they, They they don't have any history. So instead of being afraid of it, we have to teach people how to use credit wisely, right? right? And if right now you are in credit trouble and your score is low, then what we have to figure out is we just have to figure out how to put a plan in place so that you can start to pay those debts and increase your credit score. But it's not the end of the world. Right. And look, there, you may be in a situation that requires a more formal, like an actual consolidation program or potentially even a bankruptcy. And neither of those things is the end of the world. Yeah. We just have to assess, figure out where, whether what the, one of those things would actually help and then make a decision about, you know, how to move And forward. have a plan. You also said that L.A. is like the tax audit capital of the U.S. Yeah. Um, it has a reputation of being, yeah, the tax, the audit capital the audit. of the nation. And it really is because of the entertainment industry. And it's because the IRS knows that if they audit a high percentage of entertainment industry professionals, they have a high chance of collecting fees. And that's mostly because 
we're not doing the things we're supposed to be doing. Right. And we're not keeping accurate records. And there are a lot of myths out there that say things like, oh, I'm an actress. I can I can deduct every manicure that I get. And right. it's like, no, actually, I can't. And so we're doing these kinds of things that are getting us in trouble. And you've heard me say in class, I don't want us to be afraid of an audit because an audit is just luck of the draw or lack of luck of the draw, right? right. And so... Have you ever been audited? I have not. Oh, God. Gosh, let's touch wood, right? Yeah. I have not been audited, but um, what I want is that if you are audited, I want you to be able to walk in prepared for that audit. Yeah. And so, as you know, that's part of what I teach is the systems that we can all have in place. So if our number gets drawn, yeah. we go in with the records that allow we us got to our defend act together. ourselves and we're fine. The, the entertainment business is one where somebody can catch a break and have their income change dramatically overnight. Yeah. Have you worked with clients where that's happened while you were... Absolutely. And, and what's it like? Is it heady? Is it? I'm sure it's exciting. Yeah. But it's, but it's probably so much more empowering to, to have somebody like you on their side to go, okay, yeah. let's figure this out. Well, so my favorite is, of course... When I get to be, when it's someone that I'm already right, working exactly. With. That's my absolute favorite because I love getting the calls. I got one actually just a couple of weeks ago. <gasps> what was it about? That she um, is on hold, and she's the only actress on hold um, to star in a series. Um, and it's literally just a question as to whether the series goes or right. not. But so she received her holding fee. Right. And so that was the first conversation about what was going to happen with that. And then the second conversation was, if this happens, then what's going to happen, right? What yeah. is her plan? And I love that. And what my hope is, is that because we have done this work, all of us, you know, we've done this work together, that we will all now behave differently than For we sure. might have. Because I would love to say that if I had come out here and hit it big, yeah. that I would have been smart with my money. Right. But the reality is that I would not have been because I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. So... Now, I behave with what comes into me far differently than I did before. But the mistake is to say, I will wait to learn until I have money. Right. When people say, well, I'm broke. Like, why am I going to take classes? We handle money when we have it exactly the way we handle money when we don't. So let's figure out the systems and practices and behaviors, no matter how much you have right now, so that when you get more, you already have the systems in place to do good things with it. Yeah. It, what I get a lot, sadly, is I get they got the break. They made mistakes. The break is now over and now where? And now what? What? And obviously, we pick ourselves up and we go from, we forgive ourselves and we go forward, right? right. But please, for any listener, no matter where you are, right. let's learn now. Yeah. Because that's what's going to make you super powerful when big things happen. What are the big mistakes that people make when that happens? Just, just to spend yeah, money like crazy things, or absolutely. luxury items? Absolutely. Or, yeah. Big, what the, 
the quickest thing we do is we change our standard of living right. instantly. Right. right. And so we get a more expensive apartment or even a house. Right. right? And uh, we lease an expensive car and we tell ourselves we're just we're just rewarding ourselves. We're treating ourselves and all that stuff. But here's the issue with it. We know this industry. We right. know it. And so do I want to be a series regular on a series that runs for 25 years? Yes. Absolutely. But what is also extremely possible is that you will be a series regular for one season, right? right? And then the show goes away. Or three seasons, and then the show goes away. And and that still should be celebrated. Right. But what happens is, when I instantly bump my lifestyle up to either just under or even just above what I'm now earning, and then those earnings go away... Now, my lifestyle is up here. So now my stress level has just jumped 50, 100%. And I think you, you really beat yourself up for that. Like, yeah. what should feel like a nice run you had and you had a success starts to feel like you blew it in a way. Exactly. And instead, what we want to do is we truly want to use every opportunity that comes our way to create that foundation right. that's going to put us in a position to create more and more opportunities. Right. So the better thing is we use the example of the person who needs 4,000. Right. Now I book a job and I'm being paid 8,000, right? Yes. We're going to do a couple of things. We're going right. to look at what is, are, is some small changes that are good to bring into your life. But for the most part, we're keeping your standard of living for a long stretch very close to that 4000 But what does that mean? It means you're socking away that cushion, right. that foundation. So then the job goes away, and you get to be the person who has a cushion right. while you go look for the next one. Versus the person who raises their lifestyle to 8000 now the job goes away. Now, I don't just have to earn four. I have to earn eight. Right. I don't have any space to wait for the next opportunity. Yeah. Right? So we trap ourselves. Yeah. One of the other things you talked about is for... For entrepreneurs or, or people that, that do services like personal trainers or things like that, that psychologically they found that having different packages to offer a client is more um, enticing than just having a flat fee. Yeah. I thought that I, was interesting. I think it's not just more enticing. I think it actually just, again, it creates more stability for you. Right. Because you're not... You're not saying, I will only serve one type of client they in one They better pay my way. hourly right. fee. Yeah. Exactly. Like, instead, I say, okay, yes, this is my hourly fee if you want to work with me that way. But what about the person who can't afford your hourly fee, right? right? Is there a way that you could serve those people with a different offering or some type of package or, or a group, group yeah. right? And then what about the person who actually doesn't just want to pay you $100 an hour. They are looking for an all-in-one, life-changing, year-long solution. Why wouldn't you also have that 
available. Right. And maybe some in between. Like, it's not about making yourself crazy. It's just about looking at how can I serve different tiers right. of and types of clients doing what it is that, that I, I do. Because I'm in the process now of, of starting up a business. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting, I'm thinking in that way. It's like, oh, this is the deluxe thing. And then this right. is the, you know, and that's, it's just a great thing that, that I picked up from that class. Um, the name Miata, yeah. where does it come from? You know, it, it appears to come from a lot of different cultures. Yeah. And there's actually like a Facebook group of people named Miata. Right. So the car came out. In yeah, because like, the car would have come out when yeah, you were Yeah, the car younger. came out in like 1994. Right. And so when people were like, oh, you named after the car, I was like... I'm 17. Like, you know. Exactly. Um, What was it like when the car came out? Oh, What do you think of them? Well, I was actually, I I wanted one, of course, because it was a cute little sports car. You should have just given, gotten one for free. Right? Shouldn't I have gotten one? Yes. And my parents were like, that is like a death trap, that car. So they're like, that's definitely not happening. Um, But what was horrible was I was actually applying for college at the time. Right. And so every single interview. Right. What's your name? Miata. Oh, like the car? Right. Yes, like the car. And, you know, now, many, many years later, the first thing most people say to me is, oh, like the car? And I'm like, wow, when is that car going to be so I the car sort of not around anymore, right? Oh, you would right? think, but yeah. people still say like the car. Yeah. So my mother named me after a Liberian girlfriend that she had. So oh, I assume it is a Liberian name, but I think it also yeah. exists in many other cultures. In one of the other groups here at the Actors Fund, we talked about our first memory of money. Yeah. Do you, do you remember your first memory of money? Because it took me a while to think of something. Yeah, you know, I don't really. And I want to take that class. Like I've, I've never taken that class. I definitely have some, I am aware, uh, you know, my parents weren't from this country. And they really, they came from significant, significant poverty and struggle right. um, growing up. And so they came to this country. My father became a surgeon. My mother became an attorney. Like, really a pretty wonderful story. But the the financial script that they definitely raised me with was, if you are not suffering, you cannot expect to be a success in this world. Right. And I think... Something's wrong. Right. Something's wrong. And I think... What it took, what I had to recognize was that that was my belief system, right? And we can certainly understand why that was my parents' belief system, right? But we can also look at how then probably that stopped serving me. So maybe that was why I had 11 jobs and was still broke because I truly believed that suffering was virtuous, right? And so I had to let that go. I think it had more of an impact on me than initially I wanted to face. Right. When I was a kid, my I, what I came up with my first memory is my parents were small business owners, and mm-hmm. they had gas stations and a restaurant in my town, and I would go into the bookkeeping office with my mother and count the money and organize the money. So I always liked the feel of it. I always liked to make the bills go the same way, and I liked getting faster at counting it. And I remember when we got this machine that we you would pour the coins in the top and it would sort them all out and how exciting that was. And so I didn't, I didn't really think of it as currency, but I thought of it as I, tactilely. Right. I liked it. But I do remember they would have, whenever somebody would give us a bill with something printed on it, like probably more conservative, like I remember one bill p- taped up on the wall that said, it's a good thing we don't get all the government we pay for. So I think there were a lot of those kind of messages, right. but 
that's those are my earliest memories of money. But um, I don't know. I just I, I I like making my money go the same way and right. stuff like right. that. And in a way, that uh, I'm going to take a leap and say that it therefore doesn't surprise me that you really enjoyed the class so much, right? Because in a way, it brought you back to that putting creating order. And systems, yes. and looking at it, do you know? So it does, even though now it does. You know, just you saying that it's. I've been taking the QuickBooks tutorials that you recommended, right. and I and I, at first I was struggling, and then this last week I feel like I've really had a breakthrough, and I'm starting to get it, and and I think it does tap into that stuff from when I was a kid. Yeah, it's totally. Like a full circle thing. So like instead of now like you're lining them up, yeah. now we're on the computer programs right. or we're using the apps. But it is that same, like, sense of, I, I love a good QuickBooks report. Like, right. Like, oh, there it all is. You know, it's so empowering just to see it and know it. Yeah. And that exactly. was such a big takeaway. All right, you picked some, some cards from the observation deck. Uh, do you have any scars or tattoos with stories? Well, I only have one tattoo. Yes. And it's blessed. It says blessed. On your and it's on my right wrist. wrist. It's on my right wrist. And I got that. Just to always remind myself to look at the positive and to really recognize that, I, you know, I believe we're all blessed and we just have to um, to work with that. Yeah. You know? so How old were you mind. when you got it? Was it a long uh, time ago? Or no, more? it was probably about five years ago. You know, yeah, I was like, I'm getting a tattoo. Did it hurt more or less than you thought it would? Uh, it, it, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It looks cool. I like it. Thank you. If you had to change careers tomorrow, what would you pursue? I really think that I would pursue publishing, which would be crazy because publishing is right. like a dying, right? But I, if you could do anything else, I know. Do it. Do it. No, but yeah. I freaking love books. I yeah. love books, and I awesome. think like, oh my gosh, to be able to read and discover great novels. Yeah, that, I, I would love that. Have you ever thought of writing a book? I'd I love think to you write should. a book. I, I would, you know. you know, but one day. Yeah, yeah. you're busy. You got a lot going on. <laughs> Who would you like to collaborate with professionally? Michelle Obama. <sighs> Right? Yes, yeah, I like see it. it. I would actually, I would, you know, sweep her floor if that would count as, as collaborating professionally. But I would love to work with Michelle Obama on financial wellness. And, and financial education, the, the type financial of what you education. do. Like, I love her. I think she's amazing. And I'm like, come on, let's go, let's go change financial education all around the world. And I also notice there are a lot of um, women of color that come to these classes here at the Actors Fund. There's a lot of diversity all, all around, but... There's there's a there's a good number of women of color that come yeah. here and really and I, seem to grow. Uh, I hope that that's I hope that that's you know that I'm playing a role in that and I really you know I hope that that just keeps growing. Just people of all types really deciding I'm going to have a powerful relationship. I love it. What movie have you seen more than any other? Speed, Keanu Reeves. Sandra Bullock. Oh my gosh! Why do you love it so much? It's just so good. It's really Come good. On. I, I mean, when that bus goes over the thing. I know. It just is so good. Do you like fire it up every once in a while? Just I you like do, it? and I mean, I love that movie, and I loved watching it. With well, it's not like a crying movie, or no. it's not like a romantic just, comedy or a mushy it's just movie. Good and yeah. piano. Come on. He's kind of awesome. Like, he's just in the way he steps on that bus. And, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. What does your family think of your success? You know, I picked that one because I just really want to say that 
you know, my family was tough on me for a really, really, really long time. When you were pursuing yeah, acting. Yeah, pursuing acting, even building my business. Yeah, it must have been very and foreign to Absolutely. Them. Like, you know, my parents felt like lawyers and doctors are the only careers that exist. Yeah. And they didn't know how to tell friends what I did, and they really just thought I should, you know get a grip and go to law school. And so I picked that one because my parents are extremely proud of me now and they say it and they acknowledge, you know, that, that, that it was hard for them, but they're really grateful. In fact, that I made some of the decisions that I made because they feel like this world has gotten to the place where, you have to create your success right. and they wanted me to just have a job and they realize now that that wasn't safe. But I, again, I just want people to get that there was a place and a time when I had to decide that their disapproval and sometimes active disapproval had to not matter to me Wow! because it hurt me a lot. And and I was spending more energy trying to change people's minds than going after what I wanted. Right. And so they did the best that they could. This isn't like a rant. Right, I'm just saying it. that like um, don't don't make that matter more than it has to. Put a community around yourself. Like when you talk about the community that we have here. Right. I'm sure there are lots of people who have tough families who are being very tough on them right now. And I just want us to really make sure that you surround yourself with people who are supporting you. And that doesn't mean that I get to just... Um, not do anything about my financial situation and be dependent on people and then be mad that they have an opinion, right? right? I have to be up to changing things. But when you know you're up to changing things and fixing things and getting on your feet... You you have to do that even if the people who love you aren't able to get aren't on board and then yeah. and, and see maybe down the road they will get on board. Absolutely, I hope they know how much you inspire other people. Not just that you've built a business and that you're successful, but I think you really have a gift for explaining these things and get people make, getting people excited and connecting to the emotions of it and and to what it feels like to try to be a, a person that that has always felt they have something to offer creatively. I've been really driven by that in an almost spiritual way. Like I'm meant to be doing this stuff and, and then I'm getting the shit kicked out of me. And like, how does it all come together? And that you get that. It it really speaks to, I think the people here at the actors fund. And I, I feel like, you know, what I just want to say is that I, I, I'm grateful to hear that you, that I give that. Oh yes. And I also, I want everyone to know I get that back. Do you know what I mean? Because um, seeing this and getting to be a part of people's journeys and people's growth is hugely empowering for me as well. And I learn from you guys too. You know, so it's great. And while my friends are like, every time I meet them for dinner or whatever, it's like, what did you learn about money? Like, they're like, oh, here it goes. He's going to talk about starting about this. But I think I'm going to look back and I'm going to say that 2017... Maybe it wasn't a year that I made a lot of money, but it was the year I figured it out. Yeah. And that's a huge thing to be able to say, especially when you there's so much that you can't control. Absolutely. Um, 
tell us more about your business and how people can learn more about what you do. Absolutely. So first of all, if you are in New York or Los Angeles and you do anything in entertainment, right? Grips, um, makeup, anything. anything. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. it's called the Actors Fund, which is a bit of a tricky name. Right. But it is for everyone in entertainment. Then you can participate in my financial wellness curriculum completely for free. Do you do the, the so New people my, as well? Yes. So the Actors Fund... Um, has adopted my curriculum nationally. Oh, so in so, all the other cities. Yes. So um, um, my curriculum is now being taught, or it's about to be taught, in New York as well. So I will actually be in New York uh, teaching two budgeting nuts and bolts classes in August. And then from that point forward, um, I am working with an amazing coach in that office who will be leading this same curriculum that you took here in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So okay, that good. will be available in New York and here in Los Angeles. You get me, right? Yay. So um, we do the full curriculum here. If you are either not in entertainment or you are not in one of those cities, um, I encourage you to go to my website, which is AbundanceBound.com. And AbundanceBound also has a wealth of free resources that are that. available. So lots of audio recordings and a couple videos and some other podcast interviews and lots of articles and spreadsheets. So all of that is there available completely for free. And if you sign up to be on our list, um, in the next six months or so, I really b will be launching a national, well, international, hopefully, but an online community. I love so it. So what my goal is, is to provide, to the best we can, using technology, this kind of community around financial wellness and growth for people no matter where they are. But so, AbundanceBound.com. I love it. Go. Do you find, how does your acting affect your teaching? Do you feel like it's a performance in a way? Do they, are they, or is it just I'm comfortable in front of crowds? Yeah. That helps. I mean, I think, you know, that that I am comfortable. Obviously, I still get stage fright the same I still do before the curtain goes up, right? But um, I hope that it makes me more in tune to the my audience, as yeah. it were, and hopefully helps me to respond to where you are and to what you need and to what some of the anxieties maybe that's happening in the room. Um, and I try to have fun. Obviously, I think that there's a lot to learn, but I feel like we don't have to be intimidated by that, and I hope I make it lively oh, and, absolutely. and entertaining. So I think that my acting probably plays a role in that way. And I just feel for me that they feed each other. I hope that my acting makes me a better teacher and I hope that my teaching makes me a better and fuller and richer actor, I hope. In your dream scenario, how do the, how do those both fit in your life? Like you're on a series but you're doing this on the Absolutely. side. Absolutely. So yeah. my dream, my vision is, you know, I I would like to be doing nighttime drama 
work. Like for me, I could see you in Shondaland, right? I think that I could see you in a hospital, uh, exactly, or a law firm, exactly. I um, think that it's my stage background that I love building characters, yeah. And for me to have the opportunity to build and develop a character over a season, or my gosh, several seasons, would be so fulfilling for for me as an actor. But what I can say, absolutely is abundance bound and the work that I do, I will never stop doing that. So uh, no matter how successful my acting career goes on to be, this is work that I am hugely passionate about. And I believe, not to sound melodramatic, that it is a part of what I am called and supposed to do in this world. So I really want to, I hope, to be a continued sort of example of living as powerful a creative life as I can because of creating financial just wholeness and stability. And so I want to keep living that life and hopefully teaching about that life. It seems also, it's interesting, I think networking is always talked about. And when you have another thing besides acting that's really interesting, I think people remember you more or they want to talk to you or uh, maybe they'll have a question about something or do you find that's true that it makes you more uh, I don't know it it facilitates better networking absolutely so I booked a small role in a film last year yeah and the producer of the film had been in one of my classes right and so they were doing a reading of it and I think the person who was supposed to read the role that I read for fell out and she was like would you come do this and I was like yes and I went and I thought the script was so good and I remember thinking oh my gosh I would love to be in this movie but honestly it I didn't think that was a possibility at all right and several months later they literally just called and just offered me the part. Like, I never had to audition. That's amazing. And I was like, oh, wow. And so, and there have been other things like that. Right. I booked my first national commercial um, because of a producer who I met in a real estate workshop. Right. Like, so, I, I really believe that the more we are up to things in the world, the more interesting we are and the more that things happen. And I think so, too. And I think the way the, the, the culture's going, with, with things aren't... Uh, jobs aren't as secure as they used to be. Yeah. I think it, the, the culture's sort of demanding that of people. You better be able to wear a lot of hats, because this one hat isn't going to just be out of style in five years. It's, gonna be, it's not going to exist. Absolutely. So that idea that doing things is, is uh, I think, beneficial. And I believe... Look, there's no question you have to be ready. In other words, if... I had been offered that part and then been a nightmare. Right. Or frankly, if I'd gone into the reading and been a nightmare, well then, quietly, I would never have heard from them again. But it's like all the training in the world and all the work that I've done for years, I still have to get the opportunities. And we don't know where those opportunities will come from. So I'm just trying to be as out in the world being as powerful a person and hopefully making a difference in other people's lives. And hopefully that all just continues to affect my own life and my own goals and dreams in a good way. What's well. the name of the movie? Should we watch for it? Quality Problems. It's a great Has it movie. come out? Is yeah, that online? It, um, or on... it, it, it has had its 
limited release, right. so it's been in lots of festivals, okay. and it's won lots of prizes, and, you know, I have a little, but I'm in there. There you are. Yeah. And I also read that you were you did an episode of Modern Family. Is that right? Uh, no, it was, oh gosh, this is terrible. It, it was... I was, um, I was on your IMDb page early yeah, on. Yeah, no, it wasn't Modern Family. It was the one, uh, Real O'Neill's. Oh, O'Neils. right, I love Real yes, O'Neill's. I loved it. It was I so fun. I love that. Who were your scenes with? It was, um, I was in a church scene um, with the assistant vice principal. Oh, yeah, he's great. And um, it was the daughter's, um, it was her, not her baptism, her confirmation I ceremony. I love it. And I had a little bit. Love it. I love that show. I wish it had kept going. Yeah. Okay. Final question. Why do you love what you do? Oh, gosh. Um, Being everything that I do. Yeah. And also, why do you like this money work? Yeah. I love this money work because I truly believe that it has changed my life. And that it allows me to do all of the things that I love. Not perfect, but it gives it. It has allowed me to to move my life in the direction that I want, and to be a mom, and to have my amazing marriage, and and to be able to pursue my career. And so, I am so grateful to be able to share that and hopefully help other people get on that same journey, right? So I feel like it's a gift because it's been a gift in my life and it continues to be and it's a gift that then I get to share and then we can all like have the gift together. I know and it has been a gift in my life. Thank you so much for what you do and I think you're just amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Check out AbundanceBound.com and thank you for doing the podcast. You're so welcome. Bye. Thanks again to Miata Idoga for doing the podcast and for really helping me change my life with this uh, class that I took and all the things that I learned from her. So, um, so this happened because of Miata's class. She turned us on to this podcast called Side Hustle School, which is uh, comes out every day. It's this guy Chris Gillibo, really smart, cool guy, and it's just different people that have found different side jobs and how they did it. Each episode's like 10 minutes. It's great. So I started listening to that and I was like, I want a side hustle. I need a side hustle. Plus I like saying side hustle. And I've talked about this before on here. So I came up with this offshoot of the podcast idea called Lifecast, where I interview people about their lives. Um, sort of the way you would have a wedding video or, or something like that, that you would use to capture and snapshot and share with loved ones. It's, it's not meant to be sort of a public document. Um, so the actress fund was doing this course, becoming an entrepreneur and I applied and got in. And I think I mentioned that on, on here before, but then the, the upshot is our final class of our initial, you know, four week session was yesterday and everyone got up and did their manifestos and their PowerPoint presentations. First of all, that was, I love to work in PowerPoint. It's really fun. Although... I'm very much a font snob and I picked some enchanting fonts and when I sent it to, uh, emailed it to the facilitator, they didn't transfer. So I had some really wonky fonts in my PowerPoint presentation. And you know what? I could have curled up in the floor and cried because I like fonts like that. But you know, I didn't, I just went ahead and did it. Like I really wanted there to be small letters and capital letters in the same word. Like I meant to do that anyway. It was really fun. It was really fun to hear what everyone was up to. And everyone did such a good job. And the people in this group are amazing. 
um, and they and they're so um, humanistic. Like so many people really wanted to do things that are environmentally friendly or help people with grief or like like they were really sincere about making the world better. And I remember the first day we met and everyone was talking about their ideas and I was so impressed with the quality of the people and what they were all about. And I just remember thinking, wow, they deserve a president who isn't an asshole. That's, that's not like the first time I had that thought, but I was like, these are such good people. Why did we pick the worst human in our country? Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but I did have that thought when, when you are reminded that there's so much, so many good people in this country, I kind of go there. Anyway, we did our PowerPoint things, and my favorite moment was uh, when I opened my podcast, I talk about when I interviewed Katy Perry for this magazine, and that I told her that a good friend of mine had used her song Firework to sort of get him through a really tough time. And she thanked me for saying, for sharing that, and then she said, I feel like the right, what did she say? She said, I feel like I'm doing the right thing when I'm singing that song. And that's how I feel when I'm interviewing people. I feel like I'm doing the right thing, what I should be doing. So that was my opening thing. And then I went through the rest of my podcast and how I was going to do everything and, uh, or my, my PowerPoint. And the next, um, student that got up, uh, a singer named Aretha Scruggs, Scuggs or Scruggs. Anyway, her first name's Aretha. She's an amazing singer. She's super sweet. Um, she starts singing firework and that was part of her presentation that was already in the PowerPoint. It's just a coincidence, right? Isn't that magical? Did you get chills? I did when she sang it, and it was amazing. So um, I recorded my presentation audio, and I may put it on the Patreon episode for August. But anyway, the point is, this course was amazing, and I, uh, I think, you know, taking me out of class sort of led me down this path, and I'm really, really excited about it. So if you're in L.A. or New York, and you're in the entertainment business in any facet, and you have an idea for another business you want to start, or you already have one going and you want to develop it more, this course is going to be ongoing at the Actors Fund, and I cannot recommend it enough. It's free except for a small uh, materials charge, and it's amazing. So you can tell I'm kind of high from it, right? Which is pretty good for someone that doesn't have a lot of work <laughs> or prospects. But anyway, uh, that's all I have for this week. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! Bye.